Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the National Community Radio Network. Today's program was recorded remotely across unceded Aboriginal lands and produced from my home on Wiliakali country. I'd like to pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging from across these great lands and acknowledge the continuing struggle for sovereignty and self-determination. I'm Megan Williams. The Northern Territory Government recently made changes to the Territories Water Act when they passed the Territory Economic Reconstruction Bill to boost economic recovery after the pandemic. But these developments aren't welcome news for all Territorians. Earmarked for approval are fracking projects and irrigation developments that threaten land and water, as well as the Territory's astounding beauty. Today on the show, we'll hear from co-director of the Environment Centre NT, Dr Kirsty Howie, on what these new laws mean, and particularly in regards to irrigation development. But first, we'll hear from Meripin Arts, a community-owned Aboriginal art centre located on the banks of the Daly River. I spoke with the manager, Dr Cathy Laudenbach, and senior artist, Kieran Karatapal. This is Cathy. So, Nayu is in the Douglas Daly region of the Northern Territory. It's located about 230 kilometres from Darwin. We're totally located in the tropics, so it's a very tropical landscape, although some of it's cleared. And we're right on the side of the Daly River, which is a huge river that runs out to the sea. Yeah, it's a tropical landscape that um, has a lot of birds, huge, I think there's been about 130 bird varieties spotted here and a lot of animal life, including things like wallabies, dingoes, buffaloes, bullocky, goannas, echidnas, black um, pythons, um, Mm. turtles. Yeah, so it's a very... Um, like a Garden of Eden, as well as like in the community itself, there's lots of mango trees that at the moment are full of mangoes. And around us, very close by, within walking distance, there's a huge billabong. And then a little bit further on, there's some other huge billabongs and they're full of um, water lilies that local... And, yeah, and so that's how the landscape looks. And a lot of people are dependent on the lands and use the landscape. So most people, there's about 350 people live in this community and most of them would go hunting for some sort of food every week, but a lot of people almost every day. And, and the river itself is full, obviously, of fish. Barramundi, it's a big barramundi fishing area, but there's also a lot of other fish as well in the and, and as Kieran said in the Billabongs there's turtle, local people love eating. So we have short neck turtle, long neck turtle and pig nosed turtle here. In the background you can hear senior artist Kieran Caratapal, who comes from Nayu on the Daly River. He describes what it's like to live off the land. Bush tucker like different plums that we collect from the land where we live and water lilies and we go out digging yams and... Spanish 
Chinese berries and bush potatoes, bush potatoes, bush carrots, sugar bags, sugar bags, everything, everything. Yeah, people can live off the land mm. here quite easily. Like if they're resourceful and have a sack, oh. <laughs> you can yeah, and transport, you can go and easily get enough food to live. Oh, magpie geese is oh. another thing. Ducks. Yeah, ducks. Yeah. And you can hear Kieran nodding along with Cathy. English is his fifth language, and he's looking to Cathy as they answer my questions together. Kieran goes on to explain how the land influences his work. Well, when I'm going to be starting a new work, I go out into the bush around like the land and see what's out there. And like we go out fishing, hunting for bush tucker and that gives us um, ideas to come back and do what we have seen in the bush and before starting a work <clears throat> you have to go out into the bush and get things from out into um, the land and put it on our art and tell a story. And if you want to talk about your big painting in the Ramsey, so Kieran's work was in the Ramsey Prize, which is the prize in South Australia for the best Australian artists under 40. He was a finalist this year oh. and he made a six metre work called Breathing Land. Oh. It was about um, the land when you go into the bush, it's not still, it's always moving and Living, breathing, living, breathing. Yeah. without them. It's like a human being. Yeah. It's not just a land. It's not, you know, it breathes, you know, as people breathe, and you've got to let it breathe. And so yeah. Kieran makes, um, like, he uses the metaphor of, like, because he comes from a long line of weavers, mm. in, like, his mother's a weaver, his grandmother, great grandmother. But he's not allowed to weave because he's a male. So he paints weavings. So he paints these weavings and then he uses that as a metaphor for the land and drawing attention. Firstly to Indigenous people being woven, you know, so that woven comes into him being, all of them being woven into the land. But then the second thing is looking after it because otherwise if the land's not looked after, it will disappear. The land is always breathing with us. Yeah. And yeah. we need to keep it alive and for the next generation to come, like our kids and grandchildren, their grandkids and children. I asked them how you see the land depicted in the artworks over the years. Nayu was set up originally as a Catholic mission in the 50s and the art centre came along later in the 80s. Cathy explains how this is seen in the artworks. In the beginning, a lot of the art was influenced by the mission, I think. Um, That's what I can see when I look back on early paintings. But um, obviously now the missions have finished, even though there's a Catholic church and and a a local priest here. But um, I reckon reckon in the last 10, 15 years, the emphasis has, since the mission sort of finished really, and as times have just changed, I would, like, we 
without a doubt, almost all the art here is influenced by the land and the landscape. And what we've seen here running this art centre, because Tori and I run it together, is um, a threat to the land here because not only climate change, like Kieran can talk more about that when he goes out, he see, sees that there's less water in the streams and rivers, but also that the government is, um, you know, there's fracking going on in the Territory and also, you know, which is, you know, polluting the, the um, water, but also now there's a threat of cotton farming up here. So they've started one big cotton farm and already that's had an impact. And now they're talking about a pilot program for another one. Mm. And they're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes mm. by saying it's not going to use the water out of the river and it you know, doesn't need much water. It's just not true. And later in the show, we're going to dig deeper into the changes to the Northern Territories Water Act that's allowing these developments to go ahead. But before we do, Kieran shared what he has seen changing in the landscape already. Like when we got the bush, we see the seasons are like changing to be with the climate change, I think. And like streams and billabongs and the river, the water is like not too full. Like it used to be a very long time ago and Bush tuck is not coming in like right seasons now, and some turtles and fishes are not being really sought for us to collect to eat because they're confused of the seasons as well as us mm-hmm. everyday people. And the plants are not coming breeding in seasons, they're like coming before the season comes or probably after the right season. Mm. So the weather's changing, changing, isn't it? And the winds, because <clears throat> we have different wind coming in like from different directions and some are like not being the right time. And I asked him how it makes him feel to witness these changes. Well, it makes, us, makes me feel like angry and sad and to see what's happening <clears throat> and because we're seeing it now but before the ancestors used to see and be happy seeing everything was really good like out in the bush but like today now we see everything's changing and it feels very sad and angry You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was Dr. Kathy Laudenbach and Kieran Carrot-Paul from the Meripin Arts Centre, located in Naidu, in the Northern Territory, on the banks of the Daly River. Next up, we have Dr. Kirsty Howie, co-director of the Environment Centre NT. You might not know that in the NT, over 50% of the land is owned outright by Aboriginal people under the Aboriginal Land Rights Act. 
and the majority of the remaining land is subject to Aboriginal rights and interests under the Native Title Act. But despite that, the Water Act is comparatively weak compared to other states, and the government moved recently to weaken it further. Kirsty explains. So, um, first I can just give a little bit of context about uh, what the push is uh, beyond government, because what we've seen here in parallel, so we've seen these impacts on the rivers, on our water systems, our savannas have actually been diagnosed as being under collapse in the Northern Territory uh, earlier this year. But instead of seeing action to protect our water and these ecosystems, we're seeing this massive push that's uh, come about through the federal government's developing the North Agenda. There was a white paper that was released in 2015 saying, you know, the North is undeveloped. It needs to have more development. Uh, gas is one of the things that needs to be developed, but the other key industry is irrigated agriculture. And they've tried for decades to get irrigated agriculture broadacre agriculture I'm talking about. There's a very, very successful uh, horticultural industry in the Northern Territory where a lot of farmers do incredible work uh, against the odds in creating sustainable uh, industries. But we're talking really here about cotton and essentially after many, many decades of trying, it now seems that there is a variety of genetically modified cotton that may be able to succeed in the Northern Territory. So what that brings with it is, of course, um, Cotton Australia, uh, a whole bunch of people who whose water entitlements have been impacted by what's been happening in the Murray-Darling Basin, who see the potential in the North. And they're quite literally here. There have been a lot of stations uh, brought up by people from the Murray-Darling Basin uh, at vast expense, um, but they get free water and they get a very, very compliant regulatory regime, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, so people are up here thinking that they're going to develop the north or tame the north to, as one person put it, at a developing Northern Australia conference just last week, which a lot of people here find quite offensive. It's certainly got colonial overtones. Um, and... So they're here, there's this push, and the Northern Territory Government and the Federal Government are obviously very keen to see this development happen because there's a very organised push for it to occur. And so what we're seeing instead of action to protect our water is action to make access to it even easier which is hard to believe given how easy it is to access water now. But we're seeing two key things that are being pushed here that also have clear kind of, um, well, they're echoes of what's happened in the Murray-Darling Basin. First of all, up here you're not allowed at the moment to have speculative kind of water licensing. So water is attached to land. So you can't trade it in quite the same way. There is some limited trade that happens. They've just opened the door to it. But you don't have this, these kind of uh, very expensive water markets that occur, for instance, in the Murray-Darling Basin. And what we've seen uh, recently is that the government up here has opened the door to a new category of licence which will enable water speculation. 
And in particular, what it will allow is uh, for a, a major developer and it, the term developer is not defined in the legislation that's just been rushed through Parliament and they, they will be able to effectively uh, cordon off what's left of the consumptive pool for free using these speculative water licences and then trade off and on-sell it to other developers in, in the future. And we think that's really problematic because... Uh, because it's never happened in the Northern Territory before and we think it's taking us down a path that's quite similar to the Murray-Darling Basin. The second thing that's happening is because a lot of our groundwater is already at full allocation, because our surface water allocations in the dry season are quite limited because, you know, there's not a lot of water flowing down the rivers in the dry and it's fed by groundwater, uh, what we're seeing is a push for floodplain harvesting. And so essentially what uh, the government is trying to open the door to, pushed by some major players, uh, in particular the cotton industry, is to ensure that farmers can build, and not just farmers but developers, can build on-farm on storages or dams on their properties to harvest floods during the wet season. And, of course, that is more more water from already stressed systems, uh, even though it is in the wet season as opposed to current extraction, which occurs, you know, in, in the dry season by and large. And we just don't think we've got the system in place to do that properly. Uh, we need to be strengthening our Water Act and, and our policies before we go down this path of taking yet more water from uh, our rivers. And, you know, a lot is at risk. Um, I heard the other day that, in order to, to have the status and recognition internationally that you have a free-flowing river and there are only 30, 37% of rivers in the world are still free-flowing and very few in countries, Western countries like Australia, you can't uh, extract or abstract more than 5% of the river's flows. And if we go down the path of floodplain harvesting, my fear is that our beautiful wild rivers that are valued for fishing, for cultural reasons, for just their existence, uh, that that will be at risk. And I think that's a really, really serious problem for our, our beautiful rivers. It's a problem for rivers at a time when we already know that our environment is under stress. What we've seen up here, unfortunately, is the impacts of climate change are really quite startling already. And we had... There's a myth that we've got this endless water um, and that it's here for the taking and, you know, people from down south should come up here and use it because it's just in such abundance. And that is a myth. You know, yes, we have rain, but it only happens in a very narrow period of time in our wet season. We've got a bone-dry dry season and, and no rain falls at all, and our rivers are sustained through the dry season by groundwater discharges, which uh, and that groundwater is replenished during the wet season. So it's a really kind of complex interaction uh, of groundwater and surface water that keeps these rivers going. And we had, which really shocked people across the territory, two failed wet seasons in the 2000 and. 18-19 uh, wet season and the 2019-20 wet season. And 
our aquifers were put under immense stress. In the Darwin rural area, for instance, there were real questions about whether people would have to truck in water. Um, the Catherine River, which is just an extraordinarily beautiful system, nearly ran dry. And that was a combination of extreme heat, failed wet seasons, but also increased water licence use uh, for these licences that have been handed out for free um, effectively some years before. So it was a, it was a real shock for Territorians and uh, a sign that we really needed to strengthen what we were doing and take a different approach to preserving these rivers, which we'd kind of taken for granted that, you know, they, they'd be fine. But actually it, it has become very, very clear that these water systems are already under extreme stress and we need to approach any further development with a great degree of caution because it will put these systems at risk that are valued by everyone here and valued internationally. And finally, I asked Kirsty what concerns she's heard coming from the communities in the top end. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, just to take the example of people, we have a lot of supporters in Catherine, uh, which is a, a major town about 300 kilometres south of Darwin, and it's, you know, it's an extraordinary place and town and it's, um, you know, it's key uh, asset <laughs> for want of a better term, is the Catherine River, which comes from the Arnhem Land Escarpment um, and through Catherine Gorge or Nitmaluk, which is owned by the Jarwin and is just so, such an extraordinary place. And then it travels uh, through the town of Catherine and up into, uh, it, it becomes the Daly River actually and discharges into the ocean eventually. And, and it's a, a beautiful river, but people in Catherine are contending with threats to their water on multiple fronts. So they're particularly worried about the impacts to their uh, groundwater and surface water from hydraulic fracturing, which is being pursued uh, just south of Catherine. And Catherine, if that industry gets up, it will be a major centre for the fracking industry. Secondly, uh, people in Catherine have had their drinking water supply contaminated by PFAS chemicals like other communities in Australia and worldwide. And um, this has been an intensely emotional uh, issue, quite rightly so, for people living in Catherine. There was even a suggestion at the end of last year, the end of the dry season, that there was because of the low levels of the aquifer in Catherine due to the failed wet seasons, which were contaminated with PFAS, water might need to be trucked in to residents of Catherine and all of the remote Aboriginal communities around it because um, things were just so bad. Um, And then you add on to that (laughs) the threat of, you know, broadacre cropping, which will involve the clearing of our exquisite savannah landscapes, You know, we're talking about potentially tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of hectares cleared. We have to see just how much this industry wants and dams being built along the rivers. And you've got just, you know, a a kind of combination of issues that it's an existential problem for people, you know, and that's what we're hearing is that people are worried about their very livelihoods, you know, whether they can safely drink the water coming out of the tap 
whether they're going to be beset by endless dust storms because there's no longer any vegetation, you know, holding the earth together, um, whether they're going to be able to, to, you know, use the Catherine River for recreation in different forms, whether that's fishing or whatever it is, because it, it might effectively run dry uh, in, in the dry season. What's that going to do to the wildlife? Catherine is valued for its bird life. You know, it's the epicentre of, um, for instance, the, the, the endangered Gouldian finch is that that's its heartland around Catherine and Nitmalak. And if, if we stuff around with these systems too much, then what makes these places so precious will be lost. And that, that's what we're hearing from people. That's how serious it is. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. I'd like to thank all my guests today. That was Kirsty Howie from the Environment Centre NT. And earlier in the show, we heard from the Meripin Arts Centre in Nyu, from Dr Cathy Laudenbach and artist Kieran Karatapal. My name is Megan Williams. If you've enjoyed today's show, you can go to 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters to listen back or share this program with a friend. And you can also search Earth Matters 3CR wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is usually produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country, but today's episode was produced remotely across stolen lands. The song today was Fish Hawk by the Mumbali Band. I hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters.